Hello, this is Brian Bullington, and I am pastor of New Song Family Church in Ventuk, Namibia. I'm so glad that you have joined us today, and it's my prayer that this podcast message will help you to grow closer to Jesus as you walk daily with Him. Before I start, I was reminded that uh, Andy Bassingthwaite is having his kidney transplant surgery. Chassie, I can't see you. Where are you? When's the date? Okay, this coming Tuesday. Uh, Y'all saw that on our prayer request earlier, but let's just go as a church family. So this coming Tuesday, uh, Andy has a donor, and he's down there now, right? And um, let's pray for that to be successful for the donor and for Andy, and that God will just be glorified all the way around with doctors and nurses in Andy's life and his family's life. Let's pray together. Dear Jesus, we just thank you for this provision of the kidney. Lord, we thank you for this young lady that has offered her kidney uh, to someone who was a stranger to her. And so, Lord, I, I thank you for her, that you would protect her and bless her in mighty, mighty ways, Lord, and that she feels your peace covering her as she goes into this surgery. And, Lord, we do lift up Andy to you and ask that you hold him close to your heart, keep him in your protective hands, and Lord, I, I pray that his body will receive this kidney, uh, that everything will go well, that he will heal well, protect him from infection, protect him from uh, his body rejecting this kidney. And Lord, we ask that in every way that they will see you, that the hospital will see your presence, that Andy and his family will recognize that you are a mighty God. Lord, we ask for peace for all the family as they wait on this results. And so, Lord, we just hand this man to you that we love so very much and uh, look forward to hearing what you're going to do in his life. These things we pray in your name, Jesus. Amen. And if you remember, uh, please, please pray on Tuesday, very specifically for him, and then the days ahead because they will be uh, complicated days ahead, I'm sure. So when we uh, come in today, uh, this is a, a day that I would love for you personally to not think of one other person that this sermon is for, but that it is for you, okay? So husbands and wives do not nudge each other. Children do not glare at your parents. Uh, parents do not glare at your children. This is your sermon. This is very specifically for us as individuals and that you would see what God would want to say to you. And so the second you think of somebody else that this should be for, ask God to forgive you and ask him to help you to concentrate. So I really am challenging you with this because it's interesting how uh, when God does want to show us some things, we can think of this, man, if only they were here to hear this. This is for us. This is for us here in the room. And... Um, so really, let's, uh, let's just concentrate on us and ask God. In fact, let's ask him right now. Let's ask God. You bow your heads and you ask God individually, speak to me. Say that to God. Lord Jesus, we ask that we stay focused on your voice and that you would show us any areas of our lives that we have accepted offense, areas that we are not in forgiveness. Lord, we sin against you when we don't forgive. So, Lord, would you work in us individually? Lord, we want to be your lights, and we want to be your examples of you. 
to a lost and dying world. So Lord, deal with us today. And we pray this in your most precious name, Jesus. Amen. So in Romans 12, 18, it says, If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. You've heard this verse. You will be surprised after we finish today, and I've just touched very few of these today, how many times God is telling us to get along with each other and to forgive each other and to not be offended. Whenever you think about uh, living at peace with everyone, how is that working for you? Does everybody think you are charming and awesome and the best friend they ever had? Everybody? Yes. No. How's it working, living at peace with everyone? How many people are you not getting along with today? How many people are you thinking about right now that there is a difficult relationship? Children with parents, parents with children, siblings. Do you know I'm so surprised how many adult brothers and sisters do not talk to each other anymore? Brian and I were at a family member's funeral a couple years ago and watching one brother whose brother was in the casket uh, crying and grieving and speaking to us all. He had not spoken to that brother for two years. How many times do we not get along with our brothers and sisters? Friendships that are broken, church families that you've walked away from because you were offended, co-workers that are driving you bonkers. So what in the world are we going to do about getting along with everybody? We need God to actually show us, and I really stress this to you in our month of praying and fasting, this is a prayer issue. And it's not a once, God help me to get along with everybody. It is an everyday prayer issue. Because just when you find yourself okay with one person, God will bring another one into your life. Or Satan will, either way. You can look at it either side. But uh, Satan has plans. And if you know, when we talk about Satan, we say his plan is to kill, steal, and destroy. So his plan is to divide families, divide marriages, to divide siblings, to divide church families. You hear of church families splitting. His plan is to divide and destroy what God wants to do. In Luke 17, 1, it says, uh, Jesus said to his disciples, things that cause people to stumble are bound to come, but woe to anyone through whom they come. And Rachel's going to help me today. Woe to anyone through whom they come. Did y'all see her? Jesus said that it is impossible that offenses won't come. It is absolutely impossible. So do you see that verse? These things are these things that cause people to stumble are bound to come. They're coming. He tells us that somebody's going to shame you humiliate you, embarrass you, insult you, betray you, make you angry, hurt you. It's a biblical fact. It says that. Jesus says it's impossible to escape being offended in your lifetime. So settle in. This is going to be a lifetime problem. Do you ever get angry? Raise your hand if you ever get angry. There you go. So this is for us. How effective are you when you are angry? There's the big question. So we all get angry. How effective are you 
whenever you get angry. Is your anger at that moment pointing people to Jesus or away from Jesus? Where is your anger taking this person? Does it show Jesus or does it take people away from Jesus? In James 1.19, it says, My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. When you look at that verse, it's listing three things. All three are under our control. I can choose to be quick to listen. I can choose to be slow to speak. And I can choose to be slow to anger. I have control over that. And you know that, that somebody can actually tell you something on one day and you're in a great mood and you don't really take offense, and the next day they could say the same thing and you are all offended. We have control over this. We can can look at those verses and control that. Because human anger does not produce righteousness that God desires, then we have to go with to him with this. Now, you might be sitting there saying, but I have righteous anger. There's so many things that you know are wrong in this world. You do. You and I can just start listing it, and you can say, but I have godly anger. So we like to justify our anger. But what if our godly anger is actually self-righteous anger? What if when I'm sitting there saying, I am so angry that they are not speaking to their sister and brother, which we know that's a sin against God. But I don't want to deal with the fact that maybe I'm a big fat gossip and I'm going to talk about you because I'm righteously angry, but I won't deal with my own sin in my own life. So when we look at that, we like to judge other people's sin and not our own. If I can focus on them, then I don't have to deal with my own anger. It's ours, and we feel very justified in our own anger. Most of the time, anger wants to prove a point. And as a child of God and a follower of Jesus, do you want to make a point, or do you want to make a difference in this world? We need the Holy Spirit to direct our actions and really our reactions instead of allowing our emotions to direct us. In this world of anger and intolerance, I mean, we are seeing it like we have never seen it before. We are not trying to win the argument as followers of Christ. Not anymore. We are trying to lead people to the grace and salvation of our Jesus. Jesus tells us clearly how we're to operate in this world in Matthew 22, 37 through 39. Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love God with everything in you, is what he says, is the first commandment. Love God with everything, and nothing held back. Then, after we are loving him with everything, then we come and we show his grace, empathy, goodness, compassion, and forgiveness to people that we encounter. This is what Jesus says are the greatest two things we can do as his followers. We cannot be angry or offended to do these two things. We can't. Can I be angry, bitter, and offended and show consistent love and grace to a world that needs Jesus? 
Jesus never told us we needed to be right. He never said, love me and be right. He says that we are supposed to love him and love his creation. He told us we have to love each other. Do you want to make a point or do you want to make a difference in people's lives by loving them to Jesus? Craig Rochelle, one of my favorite podcast people, says that there are two ways that we can quit being so offended. I thought it was kind of interesting. I'm going to share them with you. Number one, he says, lower your expectations of people. So I kind of went, huh? Expect less of people. So I thought that was interesting, so I heard him out. And he stressed this, people will let you down. People will let you down. Say it, people will let you down. Good, that's number one. They're going to let you down. They will not call you back. They will forget your birthday. They will not return your camping stuff the way you gave it to them. Has that ever happened? Don't loan your camping stuff, I mean it. They will forget to say thank you. They won't appreciate you. Haven't you, though, let people down? Haven't you yourself let somebody down? These are people like you and me that we are being offended by. People like us filled with great imperfections. People like us who need a savior are offending us. Instead of saying, how can a Christian act like that? We need to remember that they are sinners who do sinful things. I have a friend, I still call her my friend after this incident, but I told her one day that another friend who blasted a whole group of people in anger one day, I mean, just let it rip. I said to this other friend, man, she's, she says she loves Jesus. How can she behave that way? And this friend that I still call a friend said to me, how dare you judge her? How dare you look at her and decide how far she should be along with Jesus? Do you know how far she's come? Do you know who she was before Jesus saved her? Are you judging that? Can you not allow her to be with Jesus and let Jesus work with her? Woo, we are still friends. It was a good word from her. So when we look at people, have we elevated our expectations? If we have, we're going to be hurt if we have elevated expectations. What can you truly expect from people? This is interesting because Paul tells us what we can expect in 2 Timothy 3, 2-3. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of God. What can we truly expect of people? Not much. I mean, you look at that verse, not much. I'm telling you, sinful people do sinful things. True? We as sinful people do sinful things. And hopefully the longer we walk with Jesus, it's less. But we still, until we are free from this body and this world, we are sinful people. In Psalm 103, 13 through 14, 
As the father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are dust. God knows that we are a mess. He knows it. He created us. He has no illusions of us. He knows that we are a wreck of a, of a creation. We let people down. I let people down. I hate it when I let people down. I hate it when someone tells me I let them down. I don't mean to let people down. I really don't mean to. I love people. I really like people. And I never mean to let anybody down. You probably don't either, but we do. Whenever I let you down, don't walk away from Jesus. When I hurt you, don't leave the church family. You think about that. How many people walk away from Jesus because a Christian let them down? How many people walk away from a church because a Christian let them down in a church family? I challenge you to run to Jesus. When I let you down or anybody on our leadership team lets you down, anybody in this church family lets you down, run to Jesus. Talk to Jesus about this person. He's the boss of them. He can deal with them. I was told this years ago whenever I was probably about 21, I was at a marriage uh, enrichment conference, and they were telling the wives that when your husband blows it, that you speak to his authority. Who's his authority? Jesus. And so they said, quit mouthing at your guy and don't mouth around the neighborhood. Talk to his boss. And so you're supposed to go and say, look what your boy's doing now, Jesus. And we talk to him. So when someone's offended you, run to Jesus. Look at the person sitting next to you and say, ah, you're a sinner just like me. Ah, doesn't that feel better? You've just lowered your expectations. How awesome is that? Yes. Number two, ask God to increase your understanding of the grace Jesus has given you. Ask God to increase the understanding of the grace and forgiveness God has given you. It's only through Jesus' goodness and his righteousness that you and I can be made right before him. Has Jesus forgiven you much? Has he? Then quit being offended. Quit being angry. Uh, Patience Johnson, in her book, Why Does an Orderly God Allow Disorder, says it, I think, very, very well. Offense is an event. Offended is a decision. Think on it for just a minute. Offense is an event. Offended is a decision. It's difficult to have a happy life if you are easily offended. It's easy to have a happy life if you're difficult to offend. For many of us, forgiveness is easier said than done. However, just because it's hard does not mean we shouldn't do it. Just because it's hard, say the offense is huge, it does not mean we are off the hook and that we don't have to forgive. Forgiveness is what sets Christianity apart from all other religions in the world. Our faith is built on forgiveness. Jesus died on the cross 
to forgive us of our sins. Our faith is completely anchored in forgiveness. No matter our sins, we can be forgiven and have eternal life. No matter what it is, we can have eternal life through Jesus Christ and the blood he shed for our sins. Throughout the Bible, we are told to follow his example of loving others as well. Part of loving others means forgiving. You just told each other you know they're a sinner just like you. So part of loving that person sitting next to you is going to be forgiving them when they have wronged us. As Christians, the best way we can show we are Christ followers, the very best way, is to not be offended, to offer forgiveness, even when it's difficult, and even when the offender does not deserve your forgiveness. That's a big one. When they haven't asked for it, when they don't want it, when they feel justified in having hurt you, we are supposed to still forgive. And how do we forgive? Truly, forgiveness is not a feeling. The problem is that we often think forgiveness is how we feel. We feel like forgiving someone or we don't feel like forgiving someone. When we've been wronged and someone hurts us, our natural reaction is to show the offender that we are mad at them. We don't speak to them, we shun them, we take them off of our phone, we block them. Uh, we have a lot of ways to tell people we're offended with them now with social media. But we do all that. Our natural tendency is not to show the offender love and forgiveness. Instead, we get angry. Some people allow this offense to completely destroy a relationship. And you know those people and maybe you're one. Have you ever held a grudge? Have you ever thought about, a, about punishing the offender yourself? How you can get even with them? Whenever you allow a relationship to become broken and not give forgiveness, we allow hurt and anger to cause us to sin. Think about that. If someone has sinned against me and offended me, but I choose to stay angry and bitter and unforgiving, now I am sinning against my Heavenly Father. Why would we allow someone to cause us to sin? Why would we let them, let us choose sin in response to their offense? We are doing just the opposite of Christ's example of him pardoning us and forgiving us with his own life. <clears throat> if we lean into our feelings rather than follow God's word, we're going to be offended all the time. In 1 Corinthians 13, 5, it tells us forgiveness is truly for decisions. It comes from what we call the love chapter. So love does not dishonor others. It's not self-seeking. It is not easily angered and it keeps no record of wrong. This is the way you forgive. We don't dishonor others. We don't make this about ourselves and talk about it everywhere. We don't easily get angered. And then we also do not keep record of this wrong. Have you ever thought about something long and hard that someone's done? Long and hard, you replay it, you replay it, replay it. Does it make you feel better? No, it usually makes you more angry. Have you ever forgiven someone and then reminded them again what they've done to you? Sure you have. Say, yeah, we have. 
We've done that. Or has someone done that to you? Probably. It doesn't make us feel good, and it definitely does not make that person feel like you've truly forgiven them. Have you ever found yourself, I've done this, talking and talking and talking about the offense to someone when you've gotten hurt? We tell everybody. I don't know what we're expecting. I guess we want everybody to go, oh, you were so wronged. I don't know. Maybe that's what we want. But it doesn't feel, make me feel better when I talk about it. It makes me angrier. Have you ever lost a relationship because you couldn't forgive somebody or someone couldn't forgive you? Have you has a relationship ended there? I think this is probably one of the most painful experiences in our life is when we lose a friend or a family member over a broken relationship. What should we do instead? Forgive as Jesus Christ forgave us. Ephesians 4.32, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as Christ God forgave you. He's our example. We are supposed to forgive like Jesus forgave us. What does forgiveness truly look like? How exactly do we forgive like Jesus when we're just humans? How do we turn love and forgiveness, return love and forgiveness when we have been hurt? Jesus commands us in Luke 6, 27, 28 to do the things that go completely against our human nature. Therefore, we need a mighty God because it is not us. But to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Here's the big one. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who ill-treat you. Forgiveness looks like love, serving, blessing, and a lot of prayer. Loving them, serving them when you can, blessing them with your mouth, talking well about them, talking well to them, and praying for them. Rather than dwelling on the wrongdoing, you show more love. You serve them more than you serve anybody else. You speak better of them than anybody else. And you pray for them more than anybody else. We cannot control their side. And you know that. All we can do is control our side. Look again at Romans 12, 18. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, Live at peace with everyone. That's a big request. We have the power of our side. We can control our side. And then we pray to the God that can control the other side to mend those broken relationships. When you pray and work hard at a relationship, if it remains broken, you sit before God every time and say, is there something else I can do here? Are you telling me one more thing to do to mend this relationship? Sometimes you will hear God say, that's all. You've done it. As such as it is up to you, you have done your part. Until he tells you that, you keep on and keep striving to mend that relationship. This verse recognizes that we cannot control everyone but we can choose our side to be seeking peace at all times. By controlling our words and our actions and our conduct, we can actually control and 
produce peace around us. If I am a peaceful person in a conflict, it brings peace. There's another verse that says, a kind word turns away wrath. There's so many verses that tells us that we're to have gentle answers. We are supposed to be slow to anger. As believers, we should purposely avoid provoking conflict and and fighting. If you know this person gets mad when you talk about this, don't talk about it. Just don't bring it up. If they they are, you know, for another sports team and they get mad because you're so stupid and you're another sports team, don't talk about it. Don't let little offenses come into your relationship. When we're hurting, we are very, very tempted to stir up people, to try to get a whole group to rally behind us. Instead, we should choose to seek peace in disagreements. There will be times when someone hurts you and your gut reaction is you want to get revenge. You want them to hurt as badly as you've been hurt. Again, we look at the Bible to see our response. Romans 12, 17 to 19, do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. It is not our job to get revenge. God has not asked us to do that. In fact, he is saying, step back. Stand back. I got it. Do you hear him in this verse? Stand back. Let me do the right thing. Let me take revenge. I, uh, When Brian and I were, I think, I'm trying to decide if we were married or not married yet, but I had, you, those of you who know me, I was married before my husband passed away and Brian married me uh, with my three children, married us, as my children say. Um, And we went to a water park. I think it was right before we got married. We went to a water park, and our son, Zachary, uh, was two years old. And he came down on a tube that he was supposed to be able to come down, and they had kids working at this water park. And this kid jerked this tube because he was in a hurry out from under Zachary, and it slammed him against the side, and it busted his lip. Brian became a daddy at that moment, didn't you? And he started yelling at this kid to watch out. Do you not see that you've just busted this kid's lip? And he brings Zachary back to me, and he's so angry that this kid has just hurt his new son, Zachary. That's the way a dad feels. How much more does God feel that for you? He created you. Every part of you he created. How much angrier is he about people messing with you? Stand back and let God take charge of of getting revenge for you. How will he? I don't know. It's not our problem. Will we see it? Probably not. It's not our problem. It belongs to our God. What should we do instead? We simply put our trust and our hope in striving for uh, holiness and pursuing peace. Hebrews 12, 14, here it is again. Therefore, make every effort to live in peace with everyone 
and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. I'm telling you, I don't know anybody that, that I don't even like that I want to spend eternity in hell. Think about that. Someone that just drives you bonkers. It's not enough for them to spend eternity in hell. It really isn't. I might not like them, but not that bad. Eternity in hell? No way. So I want to behave in such a way that they see the holiness of God in me so that they can see Jesus himself. That's what, what this is all about. You think this is about you? It is. It's about you, though, being a part of God's kingdom and growing God's kingdom. Through following Christ's example of holiness and peace, we will be examples of God's love here in this world. Can you imagine how different this world would look if we believers would practice not taking offense? There's a lot of us out there. If all believers practiced not taking offense, We've already looked at James 1.19, how to respond to uh, conflict through peace. My brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. Instead of reacting immediately, pray. Have you ever had a conversation you're just praying like crazy while they're talking? Help Jesus, help Jesus, help Jesus. You have those? I have those a lot, a whole lot. That I'm praying. So when you're hearing someone, ask God to help you hear what they're saying. Ask God to help you to not hear their words, but to hear their heart. What are they really trying to say? You never wash the dishes. What are they saying? I'm so tired. That really is. I'm, I'm translating Dana to you. It means I'm tired. Ask God to help you hear Dana say, I'm tired, instead of the words that come out of my mouth. Ask God to help you to close your mouth, <clears throat> not to respond in a way that's not pleasing to him. And ask God to keep your anger, your emotions under control. And then we're ready to accomplish Jesus' forgiveness plan. Matthew 18, 21 to 22. Then Peter came to him and asked, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? No, not seven times, Jesus replied, but 70 times seven. Forgive and forgive and forgive and forgive. I could stand here 70 times seven and say, forgive. That's how, what God is saying. There's so much freedom when we forgive. Have you ever noticed that you can be flipping mad at somebody? They're off having fun. They might be in Kruger Park sending photos on Facebook. And I'm sitting in the midby going, rocking, socking. They are making me furious. And they're spotting lions and rhinos and all kinds of things. And Dana Bullington's looking at Facebook and going, what in the world? How could they be having fun? I'm miserable. When we forgive, we find God's freedom. We forgive so we can be right, so we can find his peace. 
Brian and I have uh, watched a documentary recently, and if you get a chance, I think you have to pay for it, but um, it's called Emmanuel 9. It really was a spectacular document. I cried a lot through it, so it's not a joyful one, but it's a joy-giving one. Two incredible things happened on June 17th and June 19th in 2015 that America just couldn't even imagine could have occurred. The first was a terror on June 17th. A young man named Dylan Roof, 21 years old, uh, armed with a 45 caliber handgun. On this documentary, you can see him coming into the front of the church. They have a camera at the front. And he comes in on a Wednesday night Bible service into this church. And he sits amongst them and they welcome him in. It's all African-American, and this is a white young man. And they welcome him into their church service. They're so glad he's with them. They said later, the ones that survived this, said later, we were just so glad someone would come be with us. People don't usually show up on Wednesday night for Bible study. He sat through this whole church service, Charleston, South Carolina, Mother Emanuel Church. And when the pastor bowed his head to pray, he pulled out his pistol and started firing. Within minutes, nine people were dead. Five of them survived this. And then he coolly walks out of the church. You have the picture of that there. These are the nine who were killed that day. In an instant, wives lost husbands, fathers lost daughters, children lost parents, and the church lost its pastor. Then, on the 19th, two days later, a day of mercy and forgiveness occurred. The nation was watching. They had cameras in. It was a, uh, a bond hearing for Dylan Roof. And he was in a room with a glass in front of him. And then the victim's families were, had filled the courtroom. And by law there, they are allowed to speak by closed-circuit television to Dylan. And this, I've watched this uh, judge say, is anybody here to represent this victim? Is anyone here to represent this victim? And one by one, the family members of these people came to the mic and looked through this glass window at Dylan Roof and spoke to him. I've got two of them here. There's quite a bit if you want to go watch this. Uh, Anthony Thompson husband of Myra Thompson, he says to Dylan, we would like to take this opportunity to tell you to please repent. Repent, confess, give your life to the one who matters most, Christ, so that he can change your life. Anthony says, I wasn't planning on going, but God put it in my head it was like he was speaking through me. Afterwards, he said, I felt peace. I pray for Dylan, Anthony says. I pray every day that God will forgive him, that he will do what the Lord tells him to do, to repent, to believe in Jesus, 
and to live to tell about it. The daughter of Ethel Lance, Nadine Collier, she stood up there and she said never did she intend for this to come out of her mouth. But she looked at this young man and she says, I forgive you. You took something very precious away from me. I will never again get to talk to her. I will never be able to hold her again. But I forgive you. And I pray that God will have mercy on your soul. If God can forgive you, I forgive you too. She says, this is what her mama would have wanted. She would have said, that's my baby. I taught her well. I would not have had it any other way. Nadine Collier says, she learned that day that forgiveness is not weak, a Christian duty done begrudgingly. Rather, forgiveness is power. Forgiveness is power. Did Paul really mean what he said, that we need to live with peace with everyone? That you and I really are supposed to, as such as it up to you, live at peace with everyone? Yes, he really meant it. As much as it's up to you depends on us. Fortunately, we believers can keep going to God and asking him to help us. I recommend that you possibly sit before Jesus and write an offense list. Ask God to show you everywhere you're offended. I was listening to this uh, podcast and the uh, man was saying, he was thinking he didn't have any big offenses. And he said, honestly, he didn't. But his page started filling up with little offenses. He said he was shocked at all the little offenses that God started showing him that he was carrying. It's if it's necessary, if it is a broken relationship, go ask for forgiveness of that person for your part of that. If the offense, if they don't know they've offended you, if they don't have a clue, I recommend you keep it to yourself. You hand it to Jesus. Don't go tell somebody who doesn't have a clue that you're offended at them. Talk to Jesus about it and ask God to help you to forgive. You may think there's just too much to forgive here. You don't know my story. How much was too much for Jesus to forgive us? What was too much for him? Nothing. Nothing. There's nothing in me, there's nothing in you that was too much for Jesus to forgive. Therefore, there is nothing that is too much for us to forgive. We pray and we ask Jesus to help us. Let Jesus be your model. Let Jesus lead and guide you through this journey of forgiveness to peace and to freedom, just like the Emmanuel 9 have experienced. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you so much for your word. Lord, I just ask that we don't stop here today and walk out and, and not deal with the things you have shown each one of us that need to be dealt with. 
Lord, give us hearts willing to release offenses. Lord, help us to not be easily offended, not to be angry. Jesus, give us your forgiveness for other people. We want peace. We want to be able to walk with joy and not be feeling burdened down by bitterness and anger and unforgiving spirit. Jesus, I thank you so much that you demonstrated us to us how to forgive. So we know for a fact that you're going to help us to do this. And we rest in your loving arms. These things I pray in your name, Jesus. Amen. This is Rico Vecca, and I'm also a pastor at New Song Family Church. I want to thank you for listening to this message today. And it is my hope that you'll join us again for another New Song Family Church podcast.